This podcast was made with Descript. Descript is a groundbreaking new media tool that allows creators to edit audio and video like a text document and create a realistic clone of their own voice for seamless edits. Please check out our Patreon at Asian Hustle Network. We want Asians to continue being meaningful and give back to the Asian community. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to contribute to our feature, we hope you become a patron. Hey guys, welcome to the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. And my name is Maggie. And we interview Asian entrepreneurs around the world to amplify their voices and empower Asians to pursue their dreams and goals. We believe that each person has a message and a unique story from their entrepreneurial journey that they can share with all of us. Hi, everyone. My name is Maggie Chu, and this is the Asian Hustle Network podcast. My name is Brian. I'm the co-founder of Asian Hustle Network along with Maggie. We're happy and, to hear, happy to have Andy Nguyen of Actors yeah. Ice Cream here today joining us on the show. Andy, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, happy uh, Thursday today, right? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. We're super excited to have you on this show today. So Andy Nguyen, he is the co-owner and the founder of Afters Ice Cream. Um, they have multiple locations, um, and we're very excited to have you on board. Andy, can you talk a little bit about yourself and who you are? Yeah, uh, yeah. thanks for the, the great introduction, guys. I'm, uh, I guess people call me the serial entrepreneur. I own a bunch of different restaurant concepts, not really knowing anything about the restaurant field before this. I mm-hmm. kind of fell into it, and I found some type of success in it, and I've been able to utilize that platform on, on giving others opportunities at the same time. Definitely. I definitely do want to hear more about your humble beginnings, you know? Yeah. Because we've been listening to a lot of your other interviews out there. Yeah. Just to hear about your story about you just finding your way, like you being comfortable in your own skin is really inspirational, especially for the people inside Asian Hustle Network and the newer generation are trying to find their way. Because I give, I think for for the fact that given the social media outbursts, everyone's kind of like following whatever trend and kind of hiding themselves and not being true to who they are. Like you're an opposite, you know, you're so comfortable with who you are. And that's, that's how you created so many successful brands after who Andy Nguyen is. So can you kind of walk us through your, your upbringing? Yeah, I, I was born in Orange County in uh, 1984. My parents came here after the fall of Saigon in 1975. My, my dad was a pilot and then my mom, she came here on the boat. Mm-hmm. They, I think they started in North Carolina and then went to Minnesota, and then North, Northern California, and then they ended up down in um, Orange County, landed in Orange County after that. <laughs> and they made their place in this you know, little Saigon, which is the largest Vietnamese community, I believe, outside of Vietnam. Yeah. yeah. So growing up in this area, you know, I, it, it's, it's a little interesting because, you know, you feel like, you know, if you walk around, I can speak Vietnamese and it's normal. You don't really have to learn English if you're in this area. But also... You have a mix of other kids because when I was growing up, I still had a lot of like Hispanics and white friends mm-hmm. and uh, trying to find that balance. Do I, you know, do I fit in here? Or how am I learning this culture? But also, you know, learning from my parents and sticking to the Vietnamese culture at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you kind of feel like you kind of feel like at your home at home, but you also feel like you're an outsider. And that's the same thing when, when, you know, when I visit Vietnam, I feel like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is like my people, but I feel like an outsider. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so true. I think a lot of Asian Americans feel the same way mm-hmm. because when they go back home to their motherland, they don't feel like they fit in. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, like here in the U.S., we also feel that way, right? Yeah, so we're trying exactly. to find our identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I, I do feel you in that part because, you know, we're both Vietnamese. Yep. And I actually did live in Westminster for two years. Really? Right next to Fulop Top. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like you, like you said, you know, you kind of forget that you are in America because everyone there literally speaks Vietnamese. <laughs> <laughs> and the food is so cheap, you know, like lunch is like four bucks with rice and exactly. skewer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really good that you came from that kind of background. But I mean, also living in Westminster for two years, I realized that the neighborhood is also a little bit rougher. You know, it's always constantly changing. I mean, it's personally for me, my friends that grew up in the OC tend to be more on, you know, less entrepreneurial, but more focused on like family and everything. But kind of easy to say that they kind of fallen off the path a little bit. They're more centered towards family, you know, taking care of their family, but not toward entrepreneurial or focused on education. How did it, did you feel the same way when you're growing up in Westminster and how did you stay so focused? I, th- I don't. I don't think I was focused early on as a kid. You know, I was trying. I was trying to fit in as a kid. Like I just wanted to fit in with my friends. 
I just wanted to fit in with not just the Asian kids. I wanted to fit in with the white kids. So I tried, you know, yeah. I tried to skate. I tried to skateboard with the white kids. I tried to yeah. play basket basketball with the black kids and yeah. uh, with the Asians. And we just all mixed and you know found our find find our, our fitting within all the groups. Yeah, it was it was super confusing. It was, it was like a learning process through it. And I think the the more trouble I got into, mm-hmm. the more I started realizing like, hey, this is not this is like definitely not who I am. Like. Yeah. I'm, I'm falling into these circles, but this is definitely not me. Like you could, if you hang out with me, you know, I'm like the quiet one. I'm like the, the shy one out of the group, but then I just keep getting in trouble. Like you getting the worst grades possible. Mm-hmm. I think, I think once I got kicked out of school, which is like a no, no in, in, in Asian, my Asian parents. When was uh, that? I got kicked out of school my freshman year of high school at the okay. end of it. So, yeah, so yeah. I was about to, I was applying for to go pick up my schedule for my sophomore year. And they're like, they had, they had this letter like, Oh, you need to go see the vice principal. And I came uh-huh. there. She's, she was like, oh, you're getting kicked out of school. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. <laughs> this is over. Yeah. I'm assuming uh, your, your parents are super traditional, right? Like, what, what, what were they trying to kind of instill in you? Like, what was the reaction when you got kicked out of school? You, you know, the, Asian, the Vietnamese talk, you know, the, all the cuss words and <laughs> disappointment. Like, the worst things ever. They're just trying to figure out, like, like what's wrong with you? How, how are you born here and, and, like, not doing well? Like, you know, you speak English, but you're not doing – you're failing English. And then you're right. – your, you know, your, uh, your dad is like great at math, but you're like the worst at it. Like these are like the yeah. things that they, they, you know, they're poking at me at. Uh-huh. Um, but they did, they didn't understand what I was going through at the same time. Just like I mentioned earlier, you know, I was trying to fit in, but then my freshman year was filled with like a lot of gangs at my school yeah. and I was getting picked on the entire freshman year. So my mind was like not focused in class. I couldn't get, I couldn't dial myself in. And they try to they try to find like a private school that would take me. They try to find tutors, but then no one would accept me, so I had to go to continuation school. Mm-hmm. And I think in those those moments, I started um, realizing a lot of things like, hey, I can't continue this route. I don't, mm-hmm. I can't. When you go to continuation school, everyone there is either a gangster or they're pregnant or you know like the things that I don't imagine myself as like, hey, I don't fit in this role. I'm not I'm not the violent guy. I don't even like I don't I don't yeah, I shouldn't be for here. Sure. For sure. Um, so going there. You know, the first week is you, you only go there once a week to pick your homework up and the rest of the week you're, you're pretty much I'm at home the rest of the week and at home, you know, we didn't have like, you know, we didn't have cell phones and we're, you know, we're on the computer and nobody's on aim so I can't talk to anybody. Uh-huh. Everyone's in class and I'm just at home like bored out of my mind like, hey, like it's kind of like right now like we're in like a, like a house arrest quarantine type of thing but with nobody there. Yeah. And I had to like dig deep and like, hey, do I, this, is this the route I want to continue to go and disappoint my parents or do I, do I really break out of my shell and show everyone, you know, like who I really am and, mm-hmm. and not worry about what everyone else thinks of me. And so mm-hmm. I, I decided to choose the other route and I got back into my high school for my junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. I started performing pretty well in, in grades, but I think my social aspect is what really changed from mm-hmm. being really quiet. I started, you know, mm-hmm. I became like the school's best dancer. I became like the school, wow. my school, the school's best dress. You know, they named it the school's best dress. I got the social, in my yearbook, I'm the social butterfly title. So all these like weird things are completely opposite of who I, I was. Yeah. And I got a chance to like reinvent myself coming back. Yeah. But a lot of those attributes are what I apply to where I am now. You know, now, you know, now I speak in front of stages and, and things I would never do before, you know, like I'm um, more open. I'm willing to take more risk. I'm not really afraid you know, to, do, to try things. Yeah. And I think that that shift from, from, from learning about, you know, my Asian culture, seeing like American culture and then like mm-hmm. hip hop and basketball and going around those things that, that really shaped me on, on breaking out of my, my, my shell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you do bring up a, a lot of good points, you know, I think yeah. everyone has to sort of hit this sort of rock bottom to kind of reflect on who they are. I think it's the people who never hit rock bottom that always ends up wondering what if I did this, what if I did that? Cause they never had anything, a huge setback where they, had to really reflect on, hey man, like my life's not going the way I want. I want to take more risks now. I want to do this. I want to do that because I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, if your life is always dandy, you never stop to reflect upon and actually grow to the next level. You know, so I feel like you, this bad situation you took it, it made something great. Yeah, and also it helped you develop as a person too. As you mentioned, you know, you were quiet before, and then you came back. You're outgoing. You're a dancer. You know, and these are the attributes that you drew drew upon when it came time to create, become an entrepreneur. You know. Mm-hmm. Because you failed so much before, you weren't afraid to fail anymore. You know, you kind of see that as your reflection in your, in your, the store, the amount of stores that you've been opening, like before afters and after afters, you know, like you, you have that philosophy is like, look, I fail so hard already. Who gives a damn if I fail some more? Mm-hmm. You know, I saw it there. It makes me happy. You know, I don't care what you think because 
I'm comfortable who I am. That's how we see you, Andy. Yeah. We see you as a role model. Thank you. I appreciate those those words. Yeah. I mean, it's also good to reflect because I do have a story to share too. I I have failed pretty hard, you know, like outside of when I, when I graduated uh, my senior year in high school, I actually did really bad and I got kicked out of all the schools I applied to. Oh. Uh, So I was going through a massive reflection. You know, like it's similar to hearing your story is very similar to my story because my master reflection made me comfortable who I am right now. And the fact that listening to you and, you know, your entrepreneur journey, the Asian Health Network is built upon that bad experience. Of course. Because you know, I'm like, you know what? Just go out there and fail. I already fail so hard. I don't give a damn. <laughs> exactly. Like, what's the worst going to happen? This like, I'm already at the bottom, right? What's, 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 how much lower can I go? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, definitely do want to hear more about your story when you turn 18. You mm-hmm. entered to real estate, figuring out, like, why, what didn't you like? What did you like? And, you you know, we heard stories. I mean, we heard your speeches before about you transferring over to the, you know, streetwear apparel and then, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in food, like you want to hear more about that yeah. mindset. Eighteen, like man, where was I at? You know, like what yeah. was I want to? What, what do I want to do? You like you are a serial entrepreneur. You know, you've been in real estate, appraisal, you know, apparel, food, all of these different industries. But at the same time, like I also want to take it back and like when you were eighteen, even before you were in real estate, were you? Did you have the intention to go into real estate and like were you planning on like applying to jobs and going to the corporate world and what was that experience like or did you just kind of full-fledged go into real estate mm-hmm. um i i i did community i took community college because that you know that's where i was supposed to go I was supposed to, you're supposed to go to college and you graduate you know you yeah. i never i did not know what the word entrepreneurial like that was not a term in my head when I heard the word like business, like business and business owner, I, all I imagined was a guy in a suit with slick back hair, you know, like, like coming in like a, like, like snaky attitude or something like that's what all I pictured as, you know, what you watch from TV and movies, you're like, Hey, well, that's, that's definitely not me. So I can't, I can't really imagine myself doing that. I took community college. I went for like a year and a half, close to two years. Yeah. And I was getting in that weird cycle again where I couldn't figure out like my footing. And I was like, I was like, I don't even want to go to class. Like this is, yeah. like, this is, this is different from high school. At least high school is a social setting. Now you're in this like this giant school and you're back to like, now, you know, nobody there. Yeah. So I took, um, I think career planning was the class that like set it off. Right. Career oh. planning, career planning gave me a bunch of surveys. So I take all these weird, weird surveys and like you kind of mark your attributes and like, whatever, oh. what are you great at? And the things that came out were like, you know, like janitor and an office <laughs> admin. And I was like, oh shit, like, no, 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 no. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not doing any of this. There's, there's no way. Like in my head, I'm, I'm thinking like, hey, I'm going to be a music producer or uh-huh. a sports a sports agent or you know, like all these cool things. And I was like, there's, whatever you guys just handed me here is not cool. Like that's, that's, right. that's not what I'm going to do. And real estate, I had no idea what real estate is about. But, uh-huh. You know, like I had a kid in the early 2000s at 18 19 years old i had no idea what that meant i just mm-hmm. knew you know this is how you, you buy a house and that, that's pretty yeah. much it my my best friend he happened to work for a younger asian gentleman mm-hmm. and he he jumped in he worked for him in the real estate appraisal industry and mm-hmm. he he kept telling he one day he was telling me hey this guy's really young he's driving like a range rover he's you know he's like he's doing all these cool things um, he owns his own business Mm-hmm. he's like you should you should join you should join with me and learn this real estate appraisal thing and i was like yeah whatever he's like you can make a lot of money i was like okay well i don't really care like money's not really you know like I don't, I'm, I'm living okay right now i'm surviving so it's yeah. bother me mm-hmm. uh but when he said you know we could we, we could start we can start our own company and i was like like what do you mean you could we can start our own company how's that even possible yeah he goes, well we're just gonna like copy what that guy did and we can do it ourselves yeah and I think that's what sparked me to like just jump in and be like, you know what? What do I have to lose? Like, I'm not really doing anything in college right now. Mm-hmm. I have like a part-time seasonal job at Banana Republic, but not gonna really yeah. do anything. Let's just try it out. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. So I went to uh, real estate appraisal school. Mm-hmm. Took all my, I took my courses, and I think about he, my my best friend convinced about seven of us to all join and do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm the only one out of the entire group. Which is like I'm already the worst. I was the worst in school. I was the only one that passed, gotten past my license <laughs> out of all of us. Wow. Yeah, so I got my license and I learned. I learned the system. I learned the game, mm-hmm. and I became a real estate appraiser. I, I 
was the person to sign off all my friends' files and everyone's in our office. And I learned how about a lot about networking. I learned about mm-hmm. business professionalism, a lot about yeah. like lingo, lingo, how to talk to people, how to dress when you come, when you know, present yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are skills and real, and, and even company structure, like structure early on, like those are things that I had to develop through that and, and, and really going out there and putting myself out there because I'm still like 19, kind of like 19 years old, 19, 20 years old. Like, yeah. and you know, you don't picture if me coming in there and, and you're praising your house. You're like, you sure this guy should be praising? <laughs> I, had to let my, I had to let my work prove itself. You know, I had to continue pushing and grinding uh, to make it work because, you know, we're, we're pretty much like the youngest real estate appraisal group out there at the time. Mm-hmm. But we made it happen and we learned how to make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in that, in that realm and that type of work was something that I, I started realizing that I didn't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where it led me to my next industry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Peril. yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like this real estate appraisal job kind of just set it off for you, like set the tone for entrepreneurship for you. And you learned a lot of skills along the way, but it seemed like you were more about passion over profit, right? Like your friend said, you can make a lot of money with this job, right? But you were okay. like, that didn't really kind of affect you. You're like, I would rather do something that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really inspiring. So Tell us about, you know, like what your experience was kind of going through that transition of like going from real estate to apparel and, you know, how you were able to get into that field in the first place. Yeah, I had one another friend that I, I used to go around and party with all the time and he went to a different, you know, he went, we went to different schools. Mm-hmm. He was actually a business owner at, at the time as well. He, had, he was working for an internet agency and he was also starting up his own clothing brand. He started up this brand called Accentuate. And he, he hit me up one day. He's like, Hey, uh, I really need you to be a, a model in my lookbook. Oh, I was like, I was like, hey, model? I was like model. I'm not, I'm not a model. I'm not a model. There's no way I'm going to do it. He goes, he goes, I'll give you, I'll give you a, a bunch of free clothes. I was like, Oh shit, free clothes. I'm, I'm down. I'm like, where do I meet you at? Let's go. Let me know what time I'm there. Yeah. Uh, I did the photo shoot. Super embarrassing super uncomfortable but you know we 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 built a a bond through that and he was looking for an office space and he kept talking to me like hey how about we just i I can't he said i can't afford one and you guys are you guys are making a lot of money but you're working out of your your parents house and you know in in, in the garage so he's like hey let's let's get an office space so we got this like tiny like 200 square feet office yeah and he's on one side of the room and three of us on the other side of the room doing our the real estate thing but then you could see me every day just like helping him out. I'm like, hey, he's not like, <laughs> he's not, he's not making any money, but I'll help you out for free because you're in the same room with us. And what mm-hmm. you're doing is way cooler than what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. He had a partner for it, but his partner was like rarely there and they ended up having a fallout. He ended up closing that brand down and he, he came up with this new idea for this brand called Arisu. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he created Arisu, I was, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, we, you know, I have some money. Can I? can I invest some of my money into your brand? I want to be a partner. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he told me, no, he's like, he didn't think he said, I don't think you're ready for it. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, I have someone else interested. I'm probably going to go that route. And I was so upset and fired up. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I got, I got this idea. So I went back, I went back to my best friend and I told him, I was like, you know what? This real estate thing is, I, it's cool, but I don't see myself doing it forever. Let's go start our own clothing brand. And we're going to go take, we're going to go take these guys out. <laughs> so it was like my mindset, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm ready for war. I'm going to take these guys out right now. So yeah. um, I started uh, developing this idea of creating my own clothing brand, but I still stuck with, I actually stuck with Arisu for a while. So I helped them uh, in the beginning as like, did, as they in- know? did they know that you were, I think I told them a few months into it. Okay. And after, they started getting really weird along with like, uh, not my, my, my friend that, that started, he was okay with it. But I think the other guys on the team were, were, were really getting upset. Oh, wow. By the time I was like, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going to go start my own thing. You know, there's definitely, definitely a lot of roadblocks ahead with, with yeah, me yeah. And, and, and that brand going along, yeah. along the way. Um, so I started drawing up ideas, started putting together a team, started bringing people down, like designers, sales reps. Like, and I learned the game from help. Pretty much I learned what I learned from helping my friend from Arisu. Mm-hmm. Um, but then starting up my brand, I thought I knew what I was doing, but I was like, dude, there's so much more that I didn't know. Yeah. And this is going to be a lot trickier than I thought. We still did the real estate thing for, I think, appraisal thing for another year into it. We kind of like 
slowly started drifting away as, as sales started picking up on the clothing side, then we'll start, mm-hmm. we'll start doing less and less of the real estate thing. Right. So we transitioned, transitioned out and started the brand in about two in the year 2007. We launched our mm-hmm. first collection. Okay. And I think 2008 was when things started picking up a lot more steam from there. That's awesome, man. I mean, your story, it's, I feel like I'm just falling down Andy's path right now, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I know I lived in Westminster for a couple of years and I oh, got yeah. into real estate too. Yeah. Um, I got into real estate completely by accident. I never intended to be. I moved up to the Bay Area and I realized how damn expensive it was here. Okay. I needed to pick up another side hustle. So my roommate at the time was getting into real estate. He's like, hey, get into real estate with me. So I got into real estate for the past four or five years now. All we did was like flip a bunch of houses, you know? Okay. We're making like I don't want to curse a lot of money a no, shitload of the money for sure <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we made a lot of mistakes because yeah. 2015 2016 and to even 2017 whatever you bought you made money on because the market was so strong yep. <laughs> exactly so, like 2019 I started getting smashed I'm like dude I'm gonna stop buying like an idiot you know <laughs> I yeah. started, started actually thinking about the foundation stuff but similar to you it's it's around this time where I started thinking about what else made me happy you know like you realize that, yeah, the money was okay, the money is good, when, but then it didn't quite make you happy. It didn't make you feel fulfilled, you know? And I do agree with you. The skills I learned from real estate, dude, amazing. Like, I can talk to anyone now. Of course. You understand the business lingo, especially through real estate. <laughs> you learn how to talk to people. You learn how to sell, introduce somebody, you know, like show them yeah, exactly. places. You learn about construction through, you know, everything that you do. So. And everything in real estate is all EQ too. I think, that's, I think EQ is more important in business than IQ for sure. Yeah. You're going to have to be able to talk to people that you have nothing in common with. <laughs> you know? And how do you, how do you stimulate a conversation where your age difference, like 40, 50 years or yeah. your hobbies are completely different, you know? So because of that, I kind of got more into sports. Like I started watching more sports because I'm like, everybody likes sports. I can talk. I can talk. That's, that's the icebreaker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the icebreaker. yeah. So every time <laughs> definitely agree with you, man. And then just funny too, that you said, Oh, I started my closing brand because this guy said no to me. So here's history in Asian Hustle Network. We started Asian Hustle Network because we posted inside a different group and he got rejected. Really? Like, hey, oh. we want to have more entrepreneurs come together and share their story. We posted in their group and he got rejected, right? That's when Maggie and I looked at each other like, we're going to take him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. We were like, we're going to be better than them. <laughs> hey, look, at, look at you guys and you guys have built something like truly amazing. And I, you know, I've been on, you know, I've been on Facebook definitely well over a decade now and I've never, I've never been active in any group like this, like ever. Like I've never wrote a comment. Like, like this is by far like the most, I've met a lot of people through it during quarantine. I do zoom meetings through like a bunch yeah. of different people all day. Yeah. So uh, what you guys are doing is very impactful to to the next generation of entrepreneurs. Yeah. That means so much to that us. That means so much to us yeah. too. That's funny too. A lot of commonalities, you know. Yeah. Yep. Westminster, real estate. <laughs> I've been to a different venue because of spite. Yeah. <laughs> I think it lights the fire up in you, right? Like you're like, way better than the other people are doing wow. it. So, of course. Yeah. As we're creating it, we realize the passion that we found mm-hmm. in it. Mm-hmm. It's just people like yourself joining and some other like, awesome people that join that made us think oh wow like we're doing something cool here yeah and the more that we think about it the more we stop thinking about profits we start thinking about value and make a difference how to leverage our influence especially during quarantine to make a difference you know and we've seen that with you too you know like you're pretty you give a lot back to the orange county community you Mm -hmm. rep orange county on your shirt on your hat everything and that's that's sort of the kind of pride that that we we really look at you and be like, wow, like, Andy's definitely leveraging his influence and knowledge to do something great, yeah. you know? And we oftentimes do talk about you when we brainstorm about what to do next, what mm-hmm. to do next you know? Yeah. I think what's so special about, like, all of your businesses, like, with Afters and Orange County, you create, like, a culture and a camaraderie, right? And you make people feel like they're welcomed and included. And that's what makes people really connect with a brand, you know? And that, like, that way they know, oh, Andy, like, I know him. He is the owner and founder of Afters Ice Cream. And they really connect in that sense. It's it's really important to make that connection because otherwise if, you know, they see that you don't believe in the brand mm-hmm. or if you're not passionate about it, then they're not going to be passionate about it either. Of course. Yeah. So you definitely want to hear some of the projects you've been working on Team OC, man. We've seen it over Facebook, your Instagram. Yeah. Like, dude, like what made you decide that you want to give back to your city and, you know, 
what kind of projects are you working on? I think with the Orange County project that I was developing, I was always, OC always has this weird, like, you know, people think of it and there's a weird way they think of it as the TV show or the movies uh-huh. that they've seen or, you know, the, the protests in Huntington Beach. And I'm like, that's not, like, that's not the Orange County I grew up in. You know, I grew up in, <laughs> that's like a different, that's like a different side of Orange County. There's, you know, there's a, there's a big Asian culture over here. There's uh-huh. a lot of unique and big talents over in this area. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't ever find anything to represent like my area and I was like okay well I I, I got inspired I went to Oklahoma City and, I, and my friend took me to a tourist shop over there right and, mm-hmm. and it, I was like you know I don't want to buy tour like corny tourist gear I've seen like you know you kind of see all those you know, in SF and in New York you see all those like I love NYC I was like okay I don't yeah, that's, yeah. that's whatever and when I he took me to OKC he took me to this, this this gift shop and I was like whoa this is a gift shop like everything is well designed well curated like the pieces are well thought out and I was like, you know what, I'd, I'd love to do something like that for Orange County. Like, if people wear it, it's like, well, it's not cheesy, you know, it looks cool. You can wear it and give somebody with it. And they're like, oh, wow, I rep this. And it doesn't necessarily mean, like, anything. Like, you don't have to be from here. Yeah. I just enjoy the place. It's just, like, a great design, uh, well thought out. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wanted to start so I have the gift shop coming soon. It's opening hopefully in the next few months. But I, I wanted to start off through apparel because that's what everyone like knew me as my past. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. let me start the story off through apparel because that's what everyone knows me for. Yeah. But then everyone thinks it's apparel right now until I start opening the shop and they'll understand the, the message yeah. of more of what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. But I just wanted, I, I, get, I kept seeing pretty Orange County wearing LA hats. I'm like, you guys are not from LA. Stop wearing that. Like, <laughs> like, you need to start wearing, you need to start repping Orange County. And people ask where you're from. They're always like, you go, oh, we're from LA. I'm like, no, no. I always, I always make, I always make sure I tell people, I'm like, I'm from Orange County. And if they say, no, Disneyland's in LA. I was like, no, Disneyland is in Orange County. Like, <laughs> I'll correct them. For- <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I definitely love that, dude. I mean, I do, yeah, I do have a lot of pride where I grew up too. I mean, yeah. in Gabriel. But it's hard oh, to rep San Gabriel too, because what do you rep? Like a bubble cup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a good definition of the area, so it might be a good representation of it. But I agree, you're absolutely right. I mean, for me, for me, I went to UC Irvine, so I didn't really see a lot of Orange County representation mm-hmm. when I was there. Um, I think what you're, what you're doing is great, you know. Put us like put OC in the map. Yeah. Like, you want to see more OC gear, and you're and I guess. Maybe it's a part of the Asian culture there. We don't express ourselves fully to really own our heritage. But you're right. I mean, when people think of OC, it's like, oh, you're from Laguna Beach? You're from Irvine? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? But, you know, obviously the best fall is in Westminster. Exactly. You know? <laughs> 100%. Yeah, man. You talked about the stories that you're creating. I know yep. you're awesome, like, food court in Orange County. Like, mm-hmm. can you kind of walk us through that, too? Like, what was the inspiration behind that? And mm-hmm. Yeah. And vision behind that when, when do you expect to be open yeah. um so the rodeo 39 project is a marketplace it's inside of a plaza that my group helped develop so this is like my way in back into i'm like back into real estate but now more on the development yeah. development development side and creative side so it's like the things that i like best about things and putting it all together so i got approached for this for this project and they're like Stanton. I was like, oh my God, I used to hang out in that plaza as a kid, going to the movie theater there, going to the arcade down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a bunch of shops that used to be here and this place has been abandoned for, for years. They just, mm-hmm. they placed a DMV randomly there for, for a few years, but now it's, it's all gone. And when they got me for the project, I told them, I'm like, hey, you need to bring something, you know, we need to bring something different to the area. We need to, mm-hmm. how do we, how do we show that Orange County is super progressive? How are we thinking forward? How are we bringing the community together at the same time mm-hmm. so we worked on this concept of not just food you know everyone knows me for food so food is like expected right in yeah. my portfolio and I was like you know I don't want I don't want to be known for just food I believe that I have more skills than that and I just, you know from shifting industry like guys like don't you know don't put me in that bubble of being just a food guy like I, I'm I, I have a lot more skills so with Rodeo 39 I want to bring together experiences I want to bring together people enjoying being around each other like enjoying the present moment i wanted to apply like we have like a gift we have the orange county gift shop in there we have a tattoo shop that's like glass like in the middle of the place where you can sit and eat and you can watch people get tattoos <laughs> uh, we have you know like an awesome flower shop we have you know like a cool bakery we have performances and like you know local artists that are doing painting and, and just trying to bring a lot of these experiences get together and getting people out and just not be stuck 
and known for food because I think I think retail retail can still thrive and that's also my thing because everyone says you know that retail is dead term that you keep hearing yeah. and I always tell people like you only say that because you're so dated and you don't understand what's going on you're not paying attention to yeah. these new experiences that people are looking for now this new generation you know, we expect more we're a smarter consumer now right. um, so instead of just forcing product down our throat let's just bring you an experience and get you to fall in love with what we do and then they'll make sure they'll stay on after that yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. I love how you are incorporating like your previous experiences, like with real estate, your skill set in that area, right? And then putting that into Rodeo 39. And then you're also incorporating Orange County vibes into the food hall. And he's a master of pivot. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it comes to show that for everyone listening out there, you're not pigeonholed to any yeah. industry. You yeah. can always re- reinvent yourself and redefine yourself at any point in your life. Definitely. And I know like for Rodeo 39, you were already starting to plan it even before COVID had happened. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about, you know, what that experience was, like if there were any setbacks? I know right now you guys are well on your way to opening Rodeo 39 pretty soon, mm-hmm. but what kind of like struggles and setbacks did you face during COVID-19 for that food hall? Once we heard the announcement of the lockdown and large gatherings being a bad thing, we're like, you know, this is, we're like, okay, you just, our whole our whole idea just got shot to hell. Like we're, we're, yeah. we're totally screwed now. Right. Like this is, this place was made, made for large gatherings right, and, right. and being closer than six feet, you know, like yeah. from each other. And we're like, you know what, like this, this is really bad. And it's, it, it's not like overnight we figured it out. It took us like a few weeks to pay attention to what's going on with the news. Cause you don't know what's going on. Is it getting worse? What's going on? I think we, you know, we're like, you know, we have to figure something out. We have to, pivot along with what's going on because this is the new, you know, this is the new norm. It's, it's you know, things are going to happen and this is out of control, but we can't stop the project. So let's, you know, work on delivery services, work on like contactless experiences. Let's try to figure out a lot of different things. And I think right now we are implementing a lot of ideas that we've seen and yeah, we're what we're in week, I think quarantine week, we're going to week 11 next week, but it took, it didn't, it wasn't like overnight. Like I think the first two, three weeks was just like adjusting and trying to figure out what's going on. Like, and do we, do we go to see construction? Cause I didn't visit the site until maybe week eight or nine. Like I haven't been there in a while. And then I came there and they're still doing construction. I got there and I was like, wow, like this can still happen and we yeah. still have a chance to do it right. And Let's just be smart about it. Let's not rush to open. Let's just make sure we do it right and make sure yeah. people are safe. And when it does open and people are going to crave experiences again and people are going to crave going out. You can see it right now. Like people are tired of staying home. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. I agree with that one. I mean, we have quarantine fatigue right now too. <laughs> like walking around in circles. Like, oh my God. Yeah. But you always ask Google too. Like, hey Google, how many, how many days ago is quarantine? And Google's like 65. Like, <laughs> that sounds so long from now like, right yeah yeah i mean it's pretty awesome that you're doing all these projects too mm-hmm. but obviously in business you always have to find the right partnerships right. How, how has your partnership experience been throughout your career and what kind of we want to hear about like some of the lessons learned like how do you move on from a partner and how do you take it how do you take it it's the most difficult part of business it's not the idea it's not the execution it's the people yeah of course i think and i think you're right on the dot that's like uh, a lot of things a lot of times people don't like to talk about those things or you know they they get burned one time and they are done forever they will never you know they'll never do business again they're like i'm i did business i got screwed i'm never going to go into that again i think for me my my best friend, my first business partner, happened to be like the perfect yin yang. You know, he he filled in the gap my gaps really well. He did the things that I didn't like to do. Like he like he's a numbers guy. He likes the back end of things. He doesn't like to talk to people. Cool. Well, I like to talk to people, and I like <laughs> I like to, to to be the front face of designing. I I don't mind those things. And I think we we understand each other's roles so well that we've been able to work all the way until now. You know, we're almost getting close to two decades of working together. So. That, that made me a lot more open to working with other people. But along that line, once I started working with other people, I started realizing not everyone's like my best friend. <laughs> and not everyone, feel, you know, not everyone is, uh, can fill in the same gaps. But I think throughout the process, I've learned that I take I, their lessons with every, every single partnership, even the bad ones. Like I learned a lot from the guys that, that I don't talk to anymore. Like, you know, like, well, I'm not going to work with this type of person anymore because they do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not necessarily be a bad person, but they don't fit well with how I work. I work yeah. a little differently. I think it's about transparency. 
mm-hmm. is important. Understanding if you're going to work with partnerships, you have to have an open mind. Yeah. Um, you got to be willing to compromise because there's, there's multiple people at stake. Also being open-minded about taking ideas from your, from your, your, your staff and your team members, because yeah. they're, you know, they, they are, the, they're in the front line of things. They know what's going on. And I think sometimes when you work with people that have large egos, they don't know how to listen to mm-hmm. the people that's really know that knows what's going on. And to, they, the people that are in the fire know how to navigate through helping improve your business. Yeah. 100% agree yeah. with that, man. I mean, transparency, openness, mm-hmm. it's, and compromising that's three qualities where you work with anyone you know and i, I always tell people that partnerships in business is like dating you're basically dating another mm-hmm. person because marriage because sometimes you kind of see the other person more than your significant other you <laughs> talk to them more yeah yep. unfortunately sometimes it doesn't work out and it's, it's always good to be upfront about these type of situations too because mm-hmm. i think i've seen part i mean i'm guilty in the past too where i, I did have bad partnerships where i didn't speak up because he's a close friend or mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want any conflict or anything, but as it, as it dragged through, it became more toxic and we're losing a lot more money. We're not yeah. solving any problem. We get frustrated at each other, but we both don't say anything. So it's like past aggressive stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. we just drop it like a notebook. And the most important thing, the longer it drags out is you lose a lot of time and time and opportunity outside of it. Like if you, if you had ended it sooner then you can work yeah. on something else and, you know, move along and you know. yeah, you can never get that time back. Of course. Yeah. Time's super important, you know, and it's important. But the biggest thing is, you know, you just, you just have to find the right people yeah. fast and move on fast and pivot correctly, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to talk about, I know we've been talking about like all of your previous jobs and industries and all of that stuff, but, you know, a lot of people know you for afters ice cream, right? And I'd love to kind of get into that and kind of ask you like what your intentions were for afters and did you ever expect it to grow this big? You know, I've heard you talk a lot about it before. You know, you were giving a speech out at our AHN LA event back in February, but just for our listeners to know like, you know, what that journey was like and like, I know you guys like got, a long, long line in, in like the first couple of days that you guys had opened afters and just talk about like your journey while you were opening afters and how far you've come from that. Of course. So that's about six and a half. I think we're at about almost six and a half years in now from, from that brand. Mm-hmm. I had an idea maybe eight years ago. Yeah. I kept traveling so much and from in the clothing industry, I was traveling a lot and food, food was just happened to be one of my new hobbies that I, I kept diving into and I kept writing, I kept blogging. Blogging was really popular back then. So you'd yeah. have to update. I used to update the, the clothing website all the time. Like every single day I had to update something and I just happened to be writing about food all the time and sharing different places <laughs> that I, I'd go to and recommending places. I was like, Hey, this place is legit. Like you need to go here. And then everyone would start replying back and commenting, emailing me like, Hey, that, that was really good. Thanks for your recommendation. You have good taste. So, you know, I'd like to know more places that you eat at. And so that for me, I was like, okay, well, I guess this is my thing now. I'm just, a, I'm just like, the, I guess a food critic, I guess, in some way. I kept stumbling upon a lot of like cool ice cream stores, a lot of unique flavors that I've never seen before. I remember going to San Francisco. I tried Byright for the first time and I was like, whoa, yeah. these mm-hmm. artisanal flavors are, are, are crazy. I didn't, I didn't know you could turn these flavors into ice cream. Yeah. I'd go to New York and I'd, I'd be in Chinatown and I saw this almond cookie flavored ice cream. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. And I got inspired on putting together my list of flavor ideas of, of flavors mm-hmm. I, I grew up upon and things that were kind of relevant in that time at that time frame. Mm-hmm. And I kept kind of feeding the idea out to people, like kind mm-hmm. of giving it away to like, hey, my friend, hey, my close friends, like you should do this as a business because yeah. ice, ice cream might be easy and fun. You could probably make some good money. And they're just like, yeah, yeah, haha, whatever. Like, I was like, I can't do it. I don't have time for it right now, but. You should try it out. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> and one of my friends I went to, you know, went to, to grade school with, you know, we started hanging out and we started sharing a lot of our dessert ideas. He's like, yeah. oh, I want to do a dessert concept. I was like, oh, I want to do an ice cream concept. And he's like, let's, let's do it. Let's go make it happen. I was like, oh, really? Let's, well, I guess let's, let's do it. Mm-hmm. So we started hunting. Our goal was to make sure that we hunted for an ice cream store that was already existing but not doing well so we could go buy them out. Yeah. Um, we didn't want to open a brand new store because we have both have never worked in food a day in our life. 
yeah. and construct. If you if you do it, if you open a restaurant, you already know it takes the time frame of opening a restaurant, building everything out takes forever. Right. And we're like, you know, just take something that exists, you know, do like paint it, paint it a little bit, a little paint job, and we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. We found a store in Fountain Valley, which is like a neighboring city to Westminster. Yeah. It was right across the street from the gym that we used to work out at all the time. And I've never been to this ice cream store in my life. And I was like, what the hell? The plaza was like super dead all the time. No one went there. Nothing cool in there. Yeah. And then there's this, this guy there. He's a lot older than us. He's a Caucasian white man, like 64 uh-huh. years old, 64 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. And we were like, hey, we want to buy, we want to buy out your store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to sell my store. <laughs> like, well, you're not gonna. We don't know how much longer you're gonna stay open for. You know, you're not. You're open once every other week, if that. Yeah. And I think it took us a long time, like a few months, of like convincing him, like, hey, you know, let's make this happen. And he finally, we ended up like partnering up together instead of mm-hmm. instead of just buying him out because mm-hmm. he knew how to make ice cream. We right. don't know how to make ice cream, so yeah. <laughs> how do we make this deal work? So we ended up being about five of us in the group. Yeah. And we, I started giving all my ideas and he's like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, hey, I want Vietnamese coffee flavor. Mm-hmm. He, go, he goes, I, I don't know what Vietnamese coffee is. Never had Vietnamese coffee. I was like, shit. <laughs> he's like, I was like, hey, I, I, I want to I drink boba. I want a jasmine milk tea flavor. He's like, what's jasmine milk tea? I was like, oh, great. Okay. So I started like putting on like buying, like I buy like horchata and bring horchata, try horchata for the first yeah. time. Hey, let's try, <laughs> how do we turn this into ice cream? Uh, can you make, can you make this ice cream flavor blue because it looks better on camera? It looks cooler. And he's like, no one's yeah. going to buy blue ice cream. Oh, and so a lot of these flavors that we started developing, you know, we worked on it together and we finally got the store done mm-hmm. in February, February of 2014. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we were, we were slated to open on, valentine's day and we're like it does not open on valentine's day let's open the day after valentine's which is february 15th yeah we we did a lot of like media push i had my friends that work for a company called food beast the reason why i knew food beast was he used to be in the clothing industry so we had a connection so he i was like hey can you post this for me and he's like yeah i'll do a do a write-up for you he's like i don't think it's gonna do well but okay whatever (laughs) and that news just hit hit and jumped to like the local news and then Huffington Post and then Yahoo front page wanted it after the food beast guys posted it and they're like, what the hell's yeah. going on? Yeah. And then on my side, you know, you have people so curious, like, Hey, the clothing guy, the clothing guy's opening an ice cream store. Yeah. And then you got this other part where, Hey, they're bringing donuts with ice cream together. What the hell is that all about? Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, like the w- word spreads like wildfire. Like from day one, there was a line all the time, like yeah. literally, literally out the gate and, you can't even make this up. You just, it's just in a surreal moment of coming to the store every single day. And there's always people there and you don't know, you, you can't like comprehend like why this is happening. Dude, that's, wow. that's amazing. That's, that's give, crazy. Give me chills because I, I was one of those person waiting in line, man. Yeah, I went in line too. <laughs> and I went to your, exactly to your first store. I was yeah. like, at the time. Okay. Yeah. We were, we were probably hanging out outside the store all the time. We were always there, like sitting there wondering like, what the hell, like how long is this going to last? And the funny part is people would, you know, come to us all the time and, we're just sitting outside. They're like, you know, this is all hype. It's only going to last like three months. Uh-huh. We're like, you know, for us, it, was, it wasn't about like, you know, we didn't know we were going to open more than one store. And, you know, we just right. knew we just, we just wanted to open this because we wanted to open a place for people to hang out at night. Mm-hmm. We wanted a place for us to go. You know, we wanted, we like dessert. We yeah. wanted to try food. We wanted to try the food industry. Mm-hmm. It was still a hobby because I still had my clothing brand going on at the same time. I had my office going. I, I wasn't, you know, I was jumping back and forth trying to handle both. Yeah. So this wasn't like a goal to be like, I'm going to be the, you know, the, the, the serial entrepreneur store. We're going to open a bunch of locations. Like that was not the intention or goal. Mm-hmm. The second store that we opened, we had a great opportunity. Was, was, we found another store that was like practically built out already. It wasn't yeah. going to cost us much, cost that much to open. It was a city called Chino Hills. Mm-hmm. And this is a big test for us because it was outside our hometown. Like, Hey, we're in or- the found Valley one had to do well because we live there. Right. We, we, uh-huh. it doesn't do well. We just, we suck. <laughs> like what we do because this, this is our backyard. We, but then Chino Hills was different because that plaza that we opened was super dead. Like it came out of the recession and it was, it, it had no life there. It was just right. dead all the time. And I remember days before opening, I called the guys. I was like, Hey guys, like, I don't know if we're going to do well here. I think we're, I think the store might be a bust. Yeah. <laughs> and then, we grand opened January 2015, yeah. and that store outperforms the first location. Jeez. Wow! Consistently, so we're like, okay, we're onto something here. Let's like, yeah. let's let's buckle down, let's focus, 
and let's start opening more stores. And that's how it happened. We just kept signing more deals after that. Wow. I think it's like, especially because you guys are so unique, like no one has ever seen anything that you guys put out before and like incorporating donuts, you know, doing blue ice cream. And when people think about ice cream, like back then, people would just go to like Cold Stone, right? Mm-hmm, yep. But that's like very generic, like no one likes Cold Stone nowadays, you know? Of course. And you know, the crazy thing about the blue ice cream was that our partner would not, he, he would lie to me and not put the blue in the, in the, in the Cookie Monster for a whole, the whole first week. And I was like, you need to put the blue in there. And he's yeah. like, fine. He's like, I've been trying to avoid it. I'm not going to do it. Oh, and wow. then after he started, after the first week, you know, he started doing it all the time. And yeah. it sold, it outsold. It still to this day outsells all the ice cream about yeah. 10, 10 times more than any other flavor that we have. Yeah, because people are just like, they, they like to be traditional, right? They're mm-hmm. afraid of change. And it's like, if you put blue in the ice cream, I'm sure he was like scared that everyone would be scared about it. He was. And I was like, trust me, like, I want, <laughs> I want it on camera. Instagram is popping off right now. Like, this is what I want to post about. I don't want to post vanilla. I want to post blue. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. You guys came at a good time, too. If I remember correctly, in 2015, it was super hot. Oh yeah. Hot yeah, yeah. We'll see. I was like, oh my god, I need some ice cream, you know. <laughs> Water shortages and everything. Great timing, great timing. Everything. Yeah. So hats off to you, man. Yeah. Because I remember at the time I just was working a couple of years as a software engineer at IBM on oh. um yeah in Costa Mesa. Mm. And okay. Literally down the street yeah. from Fountain Valley, you know. Yeah. And just days where I just are I just had a really bad time at work, and I'll just stop by after his ice cream mm, and yeah. just have a good time, you know? Because also, I commuted from Koreatown to Costa Mesa every Oh, year. wow. Okay, that's a drive. You needed a, a nice place that would open up late. You guys are always yeah. open, you know? Yeah, till midnight. Yeah, you guys helped me kill the time, too, because there's always a line. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to spend 45 minutes here anyways. <laughs> so thank you for that, man. It's pretty surreal to be able to talk to you right here, too. Yeah. You know? You always hear stories about you and how much you've done for the community. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still surreal for us because we are in your position a couple of years ago. Yep. Like six, seven months, six and a half months ago, no one knew who we were. Yep. You know, no one knew Asian Hustle Network. No one knew anything about us. No one even wanted to talk to us. You know? <laughs> we're nobodies. It's, seven months later, it's like, oh, dude, we got to talk to Andy. We got to hear yeah. about his story, have him on the podcast, you yeah. know, and find a lot of hopefully like other people find a lot of inspiration but we find a lot of inspiration from the story and yeah. it gives us the motivation that we need to kind of help push forward and re- relay these messages because you know we can really prior to asian hustle network it was kind of hard to find the correct resources and stories to unite a community you know mm-hmm. i think it's great that you're uniting the oc community mm-hmm. but for us we couldn't really find like the Asian community, we stuck together. It was a Vietnamese one, Chinese one, Japanese yeah. one, Korean one. And it's funny too, because if I remember back in college, it used to be like all the Koreans stuck together, all the Vietnamese stuck together. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're, we're all friends, dude. And when I see last names intertwine and do business together on Asian Hustle Network, I'm like, yeah. oh, of course. Together, guys. You're yeah. owning your heritage. It's yeah. really cool to see because, you know, even like for me, like I'm talking to like Asian people that are successful in like Australia. You know, you guys have an Australia group. Yeah. And I have yeah. people there. And I have people over there that we message back all the time. Like we talk to each other about ideas and, and what we're yeah. working on. And it's super cool. You're like, okay, well, now I have, if I ever go to Australia and I have friends in Australia, and like, yeah. you know, it, makes it, it makes it a lot cooler. And it was through this community that you guys developed that's super mm-hmm. influential. And it has a lot of like, a lot of big players in there. You know, you see a lot of people like, oh, that guy does that. Like, oh, crap, right. let, me, let me hit him up. Let me introduce myself. And, yeah. and a lot of times people are scared to like introduce themselves or say, you know, they're scared of somebody saying no or not talk, responding back. But, yeah. you know, this is what you guys created made it, you know, super crazy for us to all, even when you guys did the, the AHN event in Rancho Cucamonga, I was like, are you sure Calvin, you want to do it in Rancho Cucamonga? That's, that's far. <laughs> that's as far as shit. No one's going to drive there. And then I got there that morning. I was like, Holy shit. Like, yeah, all right. Like I, I was not, pre- I was not prepared for that. <laughs> no, but you did so well though. And I just love like hearing your story because you know, you come from like humble beginnings and you talk about like how you were doing in school. And we have a lot of people in AHN who talk about that too. Like, I feel like I don't do well in school or like we have, like, we have like convicts who have like a really rough background, but it really doesn't matter where you come from. You know, like if you just put in the work, like mm-hmm. you have, like you can do it. And yeah. I just really appreciate you like putting yourself out there and sharing your story, especially mm-hmm. at our AHN LA event. And that's the yeah. wonderful thing about business, right? It doesn't matter yeah. if you went to Harvard, Stanford, didn't go to school. Yeah. You're yeah. on the same field, man. You yeah. make things happen. 
it's up to you, your personality. Yeah. So you guys course, never give up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you gotta start. Everyone gotta start small somewhere, and they gotta learn from. You know, no one really had the skill. Of, no one really had the skill that in the industry they went into, anyways. And you just you have to learn from the ground up, like everyone else did. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Your sense of curiosity has to be off the charts too, and yeah. be willing to fail often, get back up, mm-hmm. be numb to everything. Just really know yourself too, because mm-hmm. if you don't, people will all. So if you pivot, it's okay. But when other people's opinions cause you to pivot, then it's not okay. Quite <laughs> yeah. <course>, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we really appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah. And you have any closing remarks, or yeah. how can we find out more about you? Uh, or if you have any like advice that you could share with aspiring entrepreneurs in the group too, that'd be awesome. Of course, since it's the Asian Hustle Network, I know a lot of Asian parents. You know, they'll tell you not to be. You know, the creative route or whatever world is not not good for you, or don't do it because it's scary. But don't be don't be afraid. You know, parents just. All they really care about for you is to be successful. You know, that's yeah. all. They, that's all. They, if you if you can take care of yourself, over you know, they'll 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 eventually give in. You know, yeah. my parents thought I was completely psycho as a kid going to real estate and clothing industry. Tell you know, imagine yourself going. You're, you're, yeah. you're Asian. You're like, hey, mom, dad, I'm gonna go start a clothing brand. They're like, are you, clothing <laughs> brand? Like, what do you mean clothing? What is that? Like, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm going to go open an ice cream store. Like, why? Why are you opening an ice cream store? Like, can you make money doing that? And, and you know, the, the, those are things that are shocking. But, you know, just uh, you got to follow your gut instinct. Um, yeah. You have to really try and, and you know, use these, these new situations as ways to prove them wrong. You know, like show your parents, yeah. like, hey, not proving them wrong. Just, like, show them, like, hey, I can be successful in this industry. Like, I can make you proud. Like, even though it's not a diploma. Like, I, for myself, my, my diploma was – when I got into the, the Vietnamese newspaper, the local Vietnamese newspaper, I made sure to bring that home to my parents. I was like, here you go. Like, you know, like, cause then now, cause then now they're, you know, they, 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 they're showing their friends, kids that who are doctors and lawyers yeah. and pharmacists now, like yeah. before they're like, Oh, oh I wish Andy went back to school. And now they're like, Oh, look, their friends, their friends are like, Oh, look what Andy's doing. You know? Cause their friends know, they know about me now too. Of course. So, so they're like, Oh, he, you know, he owns this, this, and this, and oh, that's a lot cooler. That's a lot cooler than what my kids are doing. Yeah, they're like, this is something your kid doesn't have. They're on the newspaper. Flex on the many, flex on That's that's my diploma to my parents that I get to show her. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, all your success, man. We're super excited to have you in the show. And again, we appreciate you being so active in our community and all the value. I'm there. I'm I'm a AHN supporter, 100%. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys grow and and continue to build a great relationship with you guys and and put on a, we're going to go put on a dope event at at Rodeo 39 together. Yes, we have to put on a dope event when Rodeo 39 opens up and it's safe for everyone. Of course. We'll be there. Yeah, Yeah, we'll be there. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you, guys. Hey, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to the show. We would like to get to the top 10 on iTunes, so be sure to leave us a five-star review. We release an episode every single Wednesday, so stay tuned. Thank you guys so much.